because you're explaining your challenge 100% about you, which means you can act on that. And most people, you hear a lot when they explain their challenge, you hear a lot of they, he, she, and it. Because then they can't control it. So it's not their fault. Welcome to the Inspire Podcast, where we examine what it takes to intentionally inspire. I'm your host, Bart Agnell, President and CEO of The Humphrey Group. And if you've ever asked yourself, how can you develop an authentic leadership presence? Or how can you tell stories that have people hanging off every word? Well, then this podcast is for you. And it's not just for executives. This is a podcast for anyone who wants to influence and inspire others in their work, but also in their life. My guest on today's episode of the Inspire Podcast is a courage coach. Now, you may never have hired a courage coach. You may never have heard of having a courage coach. Frankly, I haven't either until I met Billy, who comes on today. But I, courage is something you have to think a lot about if you want to be an inspiring communicator. That's because I, I've long believed that if you want to inspire people to change what they do, you have to inspire them to change what they think and even on a deeper level to change what they believe in. And it takes work to do that and it takes a lot of courage because to move people, you've got to be prepared for them to challenge you, confront you, disagree with you, and you have to embrace that process and have the courage to go through that uh, if you're really going to move them. And that courage, in my belief, has always come from clarity of conviction, clarity of belief. And in our podcast today, Billy, who is in the business of helping people find the courage they need to lead their true lives, to find their purpose, talks about how you get to that point. Like many of my favorite conversations, I turn the tables and have him coach me. And uh, certainly it's, uh, it's a powerful experience. And I'm sure you'll enjoy uh, what I learned from him and be able to apply it in your own life and work. So without further ado, Billy Anderson founder of The Courage Crusade. Billy, welcome to the Inspire Podcast. Thanks. I'm super excited to be here. Yeah, and I know we talked about this earlier, but you're already showing courage. You're you're coming on this podcast in the middle of allergy season and you're, you're gutting through it. So thank you yes. <laughs> for living what you I'm, teach. I am knee deep in pollen. <laughs> <laughs> this is true courage. So tell me, like, what is the Courage Crusade and how did you come to found this company? I mean, it didn't even, didn't even start as the Courage Crusade. It started at, it was called Made You Think Coaching. But then after just coaching so many people from you know, 14-year-old youth at risk to like 70-year-old CEOs, realized that it was always fear and self-doubt and limiting beliefs that was holding us back. So I'm like, I don't want to call it the fear crusade is that it's negative so the the I, I call it the proactive version of fear is courage because they go together some of the terms you've used i want to i want to kind of delve into starting with what is courage courage is being scared and doing it anyway because of a bigger want so you could courage actually could just be being scared and doing it anyway that's courage um and if you're not scared it's not courageous because um, if you're not scared, you're in your comfort zone, and that's not where courage lives. But we can be cur- courageous to the point that we're being crazy or reckless. So that's why I like to throw in that last bit. So courage is it's being scared and doing it anyway because of a bigger want or some kind of an opportunity that you've defined. Um, the want is 
the, just the tiniest bit bigger than the fear. But that's when we go for it, when it's, we realize there's some kind of opportunity there. Does that make sense? That, that does. It does. And, and, and this idea that courage is important. I mean, this is something that there's research behind this, isn't there? In fact, there's, I think you mentioned right. a, a, a Deloitte study uh, that point to this conclusion. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can elaborate a bit on that for me. Great study. You can, you can find it online. It's, um, you know, f- fortune favors the bold or the future belongs to the bold, something like that. And it, it had five sort of main, let me see if I can remember them. So it's it be, be provocative and challenge the status quo. That's one. Another one is taking calculated risks. Um, do what's right, which is easier said than done. Uh, start with yourself and unite to include, so the diversity part. So, oh my gosh, I could spend a day talking about each of those, but mm-hmm. the one, you know, in a nutshell, they're saying, you know, be guided by your beliefs and your passion, um, which everybody gets. I don't think anyone would be like, well, I don't want to agree with that. The hard part is, how do I figure it out? Like, how do I, what do I kind of really believe and what lights me up? Where are my passions, right? And we just can't, that's almost impossible to figure out completely by ourselves because we're just we're so close to ourselves, and i needed help figuring mine out too right so when someone comes to you let's imagine i was coming to you as a client so i say look you know billy i comfort group is going through a lot of change you know we're reimagining and broadening what we're doing and you know I, i listened to a talk that you gave and i feel you know it's worth a conversation it's worth working to build my ability to be courageous where do you start what's the first thing you do with me and when you say uh, uh, you, is it you or are you looking at your company as a whole? Let's just, I'll put individual? myself under the microscope. Uh, yeah, awesome. I, it's me. <laughs> I'm here. I'm, I'm going to get an impromptu coaching session. So where do you start with me? And consequently, where would people listening start if they were kind of doing this themselves? The very first thing uh, we would do in our first session is we would, we would do the values assessment. You would nail down what are those 10 things that are most important to you. But I guess the first thing we would do is we would talk about what is it, you, what is it that you want to be different. Um, and this is also, I think, the best way to start any meeting we ever have with anybody ever, which is, you know, what does success look like by the time we're done? So let me ask you that right now. Matt, let's pretend you and I were about to go All through right, a coaching program. Um, and so I'll ask you, so we're going to do a six-month coaching program. What does success look like to you by the end? You're going to walk away from coaching and, and you're going to say, that was exactly what I needed because now... Now I can have the courage to lead the company and our clients forward into this new world where how you communicate as a leader is evolving rapidly and we are there to help. Okay, cool. And what's getting in the way of you doing that now? Um, I would say internally it's, we're changing and evolving. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, the kinds of programs that we offer, because we believe that it requires a new mandate. But that's tough. You know, it's tough when you've been doing one kind of training for 30 years and now you're changing not only what you're offering, but new ways to offer it through digital, for example. And I'd say externally, what's getting in the way is that historical perception that people are used to interacting with the Humphrey Group for one type of offering and they love it, but they don't know what else we do. Okay, so let's figure out what else is going on here. So what else what else is challenging about this for you? Well, I just say on a personal level, you know, as you enter into a more uncertain world where it's not as linear, it creates stress and, and anxiety uh, because of the unknown that personally can be challenging. And so 
you know, the, it, it's much more comfortable to be able to articulate a predictable future. And it's a lot, you know, there's the acronym, I'm sure you've heard is VUCA, volatile, uncertain, uh, complex, ambiguous. And I would say that our world is increasingly of that nature. And so that puts pressure to provide clarity when you can't provide certainty. Right, right. And let's dig in one more time. So what else? What else is difficult about this for you specifically? Hmm. You know, I'm, I would say it's definitely the, the need to bring all the best ideas from every part of the company together and then aggregate them to create a future for us. And it's that balance between making sure we hear everyone, but also recognizing we have to make some choices uh, so we can serve our clients and internally uh, provide great futures for our people. That's uh, striking that balance the right way is, uh, is stressful for me. <laughs> right. So if this was a real coaching session, I'd keep digging into that. But a couple things just happened that you probably didn't even notice. So the volume of your voice just went down. Mm-hmm. As you talked about that last one, which mm-hmm. means it's probably a bit more vulnerable and we're getting closer to what's the real issue. And that last question, when I asked you, did you feel that long pause and silence? Yes, I did. <laughs> before you answered, it's so awkward, but <laughs> that I'm basically as a coach, I'm asking you enough questions until you can't give me an answer right away. Cause those, that first answer you gave me, it was very professional. And it was, there's nothing wrong with that, right. uh, but it came right away, which means it's not yes. new. Right. And then there was the pause and it's as uncomfortable as the pause was for me too. I'm like, I know that's where you're, that's where you're kind of digging. Um, and that's some, a very simplified coaching process that I teach through uh, Box of Crayons, which is the coaching, the coaching habit. And what are um, trying to get at that relates to courage in those questions? And I, I totally see your point that you're trying to get to something deeper with me. Yeah. What are you aiming for? And, and what should people listening think about getting to uh, if they themselves don't have perhaps the opportunity to work with you? But the starting point of knowing where to begin, what is it we should try and reach for? So there's a couple of things. I'm just continually amazed that when we boil down our challenges, they all relate down to how, how am I going to how am I worried I'm going to be judged? And there's always a fear underlying it. Um, and you started to get there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that would have been my next question is, you know, with what you just told me in terms of your goals, how are you, how are you worried about coming across to others? Um, and because we're human beings, right, we need to belong. And so we're constantly worried subconsciously that people aren't going to like us or we're not going to be respected or any of that. And so there's always a fear in there. It, you know, I help a lot of people with how to delegate more. And the fear with delegating, they think, is what if they can't do it right or what if they don't do it on time? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's like, no, actually, you're more worried. And they they eventually realize this. They're more worried that if it's not done right or on time, how's that going to make me look as a leader? Right. And if I delegate more, do I look like the boss who's lazy and just gives my team more work? And the last part of the fear is if I delegate all that stuff I'm supposed to be and I'm not in the weeds anymore, I'm suddenly going to have enough time to do that bigger picture, scarier stuff, I've been coming up with excuses to avoid. Right. <laughs> so it's all those kind of, and so one question so you is help people almost get to those fears that lurk below totally. the surface and shape behavior. Totally. And it's interesting because they're so, they're the same for all of us and they're just really hard to, to see. And the reason for that is our, our ego doesn't want us to figure it out because 
Our ego's job, which again is through evolution, just wants us in our comfort zone all the time. Because for hundreds of thousands of years, if you stepped out of your comfort zone, you died. Right. So our ego wants us in our, our subconscious wants us in our comfort zone. So it doesn't actually want us to get clear on what our, hmm. the root of our challenges are, because then we have to do something about it. <laughs> or we might have to admit we didn't do it right the first time. So when, when you go through this process, what are some epiphanies that people have about their fears? What, are, what would be a few examples? So one is simply that. It's that there is fear. It is fear-based and there is fear involved here because we convince ourselves it's something else. We convince ourselves it's not the right time or I don't have the right information to make this decision. So even just understanding how important that, that fear is, is is a big deal. Uh, the other one is that part about how we are often worried about how we're being judged by others. And if we continue to really dig into this and get better at the self-awareness and be courageous, we start to care, if, if we're lucky, we start to care a little bit less about being judged by others and we care more about how we judge ourselves. And am I happy with who I was today? Um, and then the other thing is that we dig into what is your biggest sort of fear or limiting belief and where does it come from? And that's literally the most mind-blowing thing they've ever seen because they see how it relates back to their childhood no matter how amazing or not amazing your childhood might have been and they see how they've been self-sabotaging in every stage of their life because of that limited belief and they realize that it's all pretty simple and it's we're all we all want to just we at the core we're worried i'm not good enough and i don't matter and once we deal with the, I'm good enough, so we figure out what we're good at and all that kind of thing, then we start to worry about mattering and having an impact. So let's say you, you've gone through this process and you reach that clarity around that limiting belief, that self-perception. Then where do you take people? What's the next step? Sure. Love it. So um, it's like we do some of that self-awareness value stuff and then we do that. That's called the inner critic is that that root. Or uh, Do you guys call it the crow? Yeah, we call it the crow. That's right. The Mar- I think it's Marianne Williamson concept of this crow that sits on your shoulders and says, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You shouldn't be here. I mean, it's also linked with, you know, the, the imposter syndrome as well. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, I'm not the only one talking about it, right? This is a common, no, absolutely. common theme. Mm-hmm. But the, so the crow for you, the inner critic for me. So <clears throat> once we do that, then we figure out, help people figure out their personal mission statement. And then what happens, and this literally took me my whole life to figure out, was the link, the connection between the, the most potent thing your crow says, your inner critic says, and what your life purpose statement is. And literally one day I was looking at a list of all my clients their, their inner critic statement here, their biggest limited belief, and over here, their life purpose statement or their mission statement. And it was the opposite every single time. So let me ask you, because you've made this change. If I had gotten you at that point in your life when you realized that the corporate job wasn't for you, what was your inner critic saying? And then what was your more aspirational statement? Yeah, great, because at the time I didn't know all this stuff. It was a while ago. And so at that point, it's just a feeling, and that's what most of your listeners would be able to notice is something just feels off. And I was getting up for work one day, might go to my office job, and I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm not fulfilled. And so that's what kind of uh, made that happen. But then I didn't have a strategic way to figure out what was next. Uh, and so I didn't know my personal mission statement. I didn't know what my values were. So these opportunities presented themselves and I didn't know how to, how to filter them through. 
Whereas your values and your personal mission statement are the filter. It's like, hey, I've got this opportunity, this opportunity, this opportunity. Which of these is going to align the best with my personal mission statement and my values because that's who I am? And if I had known that stuff at the time, it could have saved me a little bit of back and forth. <laughs> so what would it be? Because I think what you've described there is something that a lot of people would feel. I feel disengaged. I don't feel fully motivated. I'm not. So when you dug into that, what was the inner critic that was causing you to have that feeling? First of all, the most common things our inner critic says, uh, and it shows up every time we step out of our comfort zone. And then I'll tell you mine is, you know, you're not good enough. This isn't going to work. You're not smart enough. They don't care about your opinion. Um, you don't belong here. Some pretty common things here. I think everyone feels with feels. I've certainly felt Everybody. many of those things. Totally. Oh, and I have to, and I still do. But then, of course, the one that most gets me is, uh, it's like, don't be yourself or people will think you're a goof. Huh. So it was always this, you're not good enough. That's always the core. But then me, it was around not being serious enough um, and feeling like I had to be more sort of professional or corporate and <clears throat> right. not the fun kind of jokey guy that I am. And so then that when the day came where I figured out that link between <clears throat> inner critic and life purpose, I looked at the tagline of my business, find the courage to be you. Hmm. And here's it was my like a mission thing. for you. <laughs> Don't be you. Exactly. Right. Um, so what's cool. And so some people have it like, you know, you don't fit in is what their inner critic says. And then I'll say to them, I'll say, okay, well, nothing's going to light you up more than helping other people fit in. Do you do that in your job? And they're like, oh my God, that's the part I like the most. So they just don't see the connection. But what's, what's weird about that then is that we're, we are then helping other people you know, not suffer from that thing that we've suffered from our whole life. So when we're doing what we're meant to be doing, we kind of feel like a bit of a fake because we still struggle with it too. Mm. Does that so make sense? Yeah, it does. So, I mean, it's really, I think the interesting thing is that we make decisions or we become dissatisfied because we have these deeper fears. And if we don't address them, if we don't understand what they are, we can't then really have the courage to move through them. And so that self-awareness piece, uh, what I'm taking away is you really help people get to those kind of buried fears and values and develop that self-awareness so that they can begin to then show courage. Is that is that accurate? Totally. And that's, you know, the whole second half of any coaching thing I do is it's all about now what? Okay, so, okay, so let's this. turn to that. So now what? So let's, yeah. uh, let's say, you know, I'll, I'll just put I'll just put my fear out there. You know, we're in this. We're in this business that's evolving. It's been growing. You know, Humphrey Group has been growing for uh, 30 years. And my fear is in this rapidly changing world, maybe I don't have what it takes to grow the business. Right. So first of all, awesome, because you're explaining your challenge 100% about you, which means you can act on that. And most people, you hear a lot when they explain their challenge, you hear a lot of they, he, she, and it. Because hmm. then they can't control it. So it's not their fault. And so when I hear when I hear you give an example of a challenge you've got, and I hear I, and I hear a little bit of vulnerability and maybe some fear, that's the route that we can then build on. Okay. So good for you. Good for you getting there. Good for you getting there. We didn't have to work too hard at it. It was your coaching. So then, you did uh, it. Yeah. <laughs> I bare my soul to you. <laughs> nice. No, you're, well, you're clearly a self-aware person too, which helps a lot. So tell, let's hear that one more time. Tell me one more time what, what your challenge yeah. is there. I mean, How even though I've it? been able to lead the company to growth and success, do I have what it takes to continue to do that in a 
world where communication is becoming what communication and spiritual communication looks like is becoming much more uncertain. Am I the guy to lead us forward? And so you can hear, I think you hear that vulnerability and that's, it's really funny. So often when we talk about courage, it ends up simply being the courage to be vulnerable. Hmm. But Brene Brown owns vulnerability. So, <laughs> so then from that, I mean, we, if we were doing, we would build out a whole you know bunch of goals and things to work on. But the quickest thing to do now is um, in terms of dealing with that challenge, we just sort of pull out what ideas you might already have. So what, um, what advice would you give someone else in this exact scenario? Well, I, I'd, I'd say the track record's there. Say there's been uncertainty in the past. There will always be uncertainty in the future. And you have tremendous people in the company who you believe in and who are, you're going to draw on their wisdom and expertise to guide it forward. And, and I think that stay in there because the journey is going to be super exciting, uh, far more exciting than the predictable path forward. Uh, you'll look back on this and say, wow, that was fun. Nice. That's also a great question, because is, which is, you know, a year from now or five years from now, what will you wish you'd done? So let me ask you that. Five years from now, what will you wish you'd done at this stage? Led the transformation of the business so that we're helping people inspire uh, in all the kinds of situations that are becoming important by building these new skills that they need and by reaching them in ways like with digital uh, that they that allow them to learn wherever they are in whatever work they do. And that can be a powerful question too, because when we come up with ideas of what we're going to do, we can't help but think about how scary that's going to be to do it. So you remove yourself. What advice would you give someone else? Or five years from now, what would you wish you'd done? And like, oh, well, I do this, this, and this. Hmm. Well, maybe that's what I should do. <laughs> and if, if I can, can I can I dig a little bit deeper? Yeah, on go for the fear it. Stuff is that sure? Cool? Let's do um, it. So. I'll do a very crash course version of what I do with clients. So um, you don't have to tell me which one, but can you just in your own head figure out which of your folks, like as a kid, we want love and attention from both mm-hmm. our parents. Um, but get in your head, which one did you, your mom or your dad, did you most kind of work a bit harder to get their love and attention? Probably my mom. Okay. And what kind of a person, you know, did, as a kid, what kind of a person did you think you needed to be? to get that love and attention? Like, when did you get that from her? What kind of person did you have to be? Hmm. Um, an achiever. Sure, sure. And if I was to ask her, um, you know, out of 10, what would you give your son as far as much, how much of a high achiever he is? Oh, she'd probably give me an 11 or 12. She's an unabashed cheerleader. But that's, that's what a good mom is. <laughs> and so what's interesting is that because that's what we grow up thinking we kind of need to be or want to be, it might be tricky for you to ever feel satisfied that you've, you've achieved enough. Hmm. Interesting. Right? And so as you go into this next stage, uh, and if I was your coach, I would just be constantly uh, checking in, like, who are you doing this for? Hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. So, so it's getting to what's driving the work that you're doing is then getting to what drives you? What are you really seeking? And and will you ever be satisfied? And I guess how to get satisfied. Is that right? Yeah. So what I've seen is that, so there's this type of person we think we need to be to get that parent attention and love. And then what we, typic- what we typically do is we go too far that way. Okay. And we don't necessarily, so we're still not being our authentic self. 
we're being that person we think our mom wanted us to be um, or our dad wanted us to be. And if that's who you are, awesome, keep doing it. But so, for example, mine is don't be yourself where people think you're a goof. So I went way too far and I went, you know, corporate professional job, you know, wear a suit, don't do anything different. Don't be crazy. Don't be silly. Don't make jokes. <clears throat> and I did, that's, that wasn't me. I was going too far because I was trying to still be this person. So again, for you, it's just, it's just thinking about, you know, what is, what is your next step of high achievement look like for you if it was literally just for you? Um, and you might still, and this, what you're thinking about doing might totally be for you. It might be totally authentic. Um, but just know that there's a risk that you'll never totally feel it because your inner kid is still kind of winning. And you will, will self-sabotage to get there, right? So, because there's a part of you, <clears throat> even though you know you've achieved a lot, there's still a little part of you that feels like you're not an achiever. And on a, on a confident day, you'll want to prove that wrong. And on a, on a, on a down day, you might self-sabotage to prove that it's true. So for me, if I was going to try to, if I was going to meet with a new potential client and it was a big, you know, more serious uh, financial company, let's say, but mm -hmm. a, a typical sort of financial serious company, I was almost always late. Really? And I never prepared enough. I never prepared enough. And that was my inner critic winning. So then I didn't get the business and it's like, oh, I see you're not serious enough. You're not serious enough for those people. Fascinating. Yeah. Huh. And then the last thing I want to delve into is from a communication standpoint, once you've helped them get to this level of self-awareness, how do you coach them to communicate in a way that shows courage? Because you've given some great examples, like the person who says, I'm just going to keep my mouth shut the person who doesn't pursue business that they want, um, all of these examples where people's communication is ultimately a reflection of their fears and their limiting behavior. So what kind of work do you do with people to show courage in how they communicate? Once you get to that stage, it literally comes down to courageous communications. Um, and communications is probably the biggest part uh, of courage in terms of being proactive. Right, because I guess it's really, it's that moment where if you have the self-awareness and you say, ah, I'm going to change, I'm going to be courageous, I'm going to sit in that discomfort, it's how you express it, right? Totally. It's how you express it and answer your interactions with other people. Almost every, if everyone in the world made a, a list, myself included, made a list of things they would like to be different in their life, mm -hmm. almost every single one of those includes a conversation with somebody else. Um, and nine times out of 10, the struggle I'm seeing is that people aren't sticking up for those, themselves enough. They're not putting themselves enough. And so that's the communication part. So in, in, in a romance, it's like, hey, look, you know, we're, we've done all these things, you know, that you'd like to do. And that's great. But, you know, hey, next weekend, can we do something that I want to do? And having the guts to do that. Or in at work, um, it's a million things. It's... Um, Asking for what you'd like more of in your role, or maybe even asking for a raise, or asking for help. You know, all these conversations, you know, saying you disagree with the process, maybe um, sharing ideas, you know, managing emotions properly instead of letting that inner cave person just say in what feels good, uh, which is always the wrong thing if you're angry. Um, you know, conflict and how to turn that into a positive conversation, even. Like I said, delegating or, you know, the best, when you, we make that shift from managing to leading, one of the main things we're doing is we're, we're just giving less answers and asking more questions. Uh, and that takes courage um, to not need to sound smart all the time. You know, what you're describing is the fact that 
it's not really about like tactical preparation for this communication. It's really people know once people have clarity about where they need to have courage, what they want to achieve, how they've been holding themselves back, then they know what conversations they have to have. But really, it's it's the work. The work is getting to that clarity. That's the hardest. And it totally, and again, the brain doesn't want you to get that clear because then you have to do something scary. (laughs) That's right, because it's going to push you beyond your comfort zone and past that limiting belief that you have. Exactly, which is the hardest thing that we can do. I've had people, you know, I've done a keynote with, say, like 300 people, and they've all done their values. And I say, okay, think think of a crossroads you're at right now, a decision you're stuck on. Think about the two main options. And then look through your values. How many values align better with each option, right? There's always one of our options that aligns with more of our values. It's a better fit for who we are. And I say, okay, everyone put up your hand if one of your options aligns, clearly aligns more um, um, with your values than the other option does. And almost all the hands go up. And then I say, okay, keep your hand up if that's also the scarier option. Every hand stays up. So they realize that you're not on a crossroads because you're unsure or the timing is wrong or you don't have enough information. Your subconscious is convinced you don't dig into this. Don't dig into this because it's going right, to be scary. It's too scary. Yeah, so just, let's just stay busy. Stay right. really busy. Get back into your email. Stay busy so we don't have to realize that I've got to do X, Y, Z and that's scary. Right. Sometimes people will be like, they'll do the values exercise and it's like, oh yeah, uh, I kind of knew that's what I had to do. Right. <laughs> I just you don't want to do it. Right. Well, and I think this is, this really kind of brings it to full circle, which is that self-awareness. It's all about self-awareness, courage. What I'm taking away from this self-awareness, vulnerability, getting to the fears that we have, that, that we all have. And I think we really all, there's no one who doesn't have fears in life. But it's naming them, knowing them, knowing what we actually stand for and want to stand for that allows us to then have the courage. And, and that's really the key because once you know it, then you can say, I'm calling you out fear and I'm going to go for this. Totally. Yeah, you can't hide behind it anymore. You could still procrastinate or, or, or chicken out, right. <laughs> um, but you'll realize you're procrastinating and chicken out. And we can only do that for so long before we feel kind of pretty crappy. And then the other part is, is accountability, right? Hmm. Um, clarity breeds action for sure. But the big stuff, the big mm-hmm. stuff that we're scared of, a little bit of accountability helps. So whether we've got well, and that's where a team at work can help. That's where a boss can help if you if you let them, if you engage them. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, you, you put it out there in the world. You tell people about what you're going to start doing differently. And as a leader, especially, it's like, hey, this is what I need more from you guys and girls. But this is and this is what I'm working on. And if you see me not doing this or not doing enough of this, I want you to call me out. And that's the conversation leaders should be having with their team. But obviously that's that's scary to do. But the beauty of that is it'll keep you accountable because you don't want to look like a quitter or a bad mm-hmm. role model. Mm-hmm. But it also shows them that you're not perfect either. And that gives them not to be perfect right. too. It gives them the freedom and to be vulnerable like, themselves. Totally. And that's the only time conversations opens up. And as a leader, if you ask your uh, direct report a question and they give you the deer in the headlights, that's just, they're scared about how it's going to be judged. So you, you lead with something vulnerable, like, look, this took me 
three years to figure out. Um, and then they're like, oh, okay, well, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so it's that vulnerable courage to be vulnerable as a leader, which gets conversations going. Because we, we all want permission to be ourselves and be more honest. We're just, use, most of us usually aren't willing to go first. You know, having just gone through the, the process with you, it's, does put you in that place of discomfort. So maybe get someone who can, as you say, keep asking those questions until you can't answer quickly. I call it the pause on the look away. Yeah, keep I asking like until you see a pause and a look away and whatever comes next will be slightly different. That's great. And, and Billy, this has been hugely valuable. I've learned a lot. Uh, now for people who want to get in touch with you or are there resources that you have on your site, maybe you could just talk a bit about where they can go to build on this conversation. With your expertise yeah yeah thank you yeah so there's there's a, a, some resources on my site they link to my youtube channel that's got a bunch of stuff so easiest just to go to couragecrusade.com uh, and what pops up immediately is that values assessment which is free no strings attached i don't send mass emails ever so it's a free values assessment that's a great place to start or on amazon uh, my book is your comfort zone is killing you <laughs> uh, I like and that. you can see that on the website too thank you so much for uh braving the allergies and coming on the podcast <laughs> today <laughs> thank you thank you so much for the opportunity i love talking about this <laughs> hope you enjoyed my conversation or should i call it impromptu coaching session with billy anderson today the founder of the courage crusade uh it certainly reinforces that if you're going to inspire, you better have deep commitment to what you're talking about and really, more broadly, what you're doing in life. And he's obviously someone who's um, deeply passionate about helping people find that clarity of purpose. Next week on the Inspire Podcast, or I should say in two weeks on the Inspire Podcast, um, I talk with Richard Rooney. Richard is the Chief Investment Officer at Burgundy Asset Management. Burgundy is a highly successful value investing firm headquartered here in Toronto. They invest in uh, equities around the world. They have an outstanding track record. Um, They have uh, consistently outperformed the index while pursuing an investing philosophy similar to uh, Warren Buffett, among others. Uh, But I don't have Richard on to talk about investing. I have him on because he has done something rare. He has built a team of investors who collectively have outperform year after year. And so we talk about how he's done that intentionally through his communication. It's a great look at uh, leadership in uh, a world where you are constantly challenged to think as part of the herd and only true success comes from being able to stand apart. So talk to you in two weeks. Thanks. Thanks.